Tulsa's number one podcast. Showtime, baby. It's Castro X to Titty Tia, Eyes Open, dubbed the home of the emotionally naked. A podcast about anything and everything. If you don't like it, with all due respect, fuck you. Four on Fortnite today, and it was repeatedly four. I would always die at number four. Four kills? No, uh, I was number four. In oh, four. number four. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think the history hello? of Fortnite, I maybe won one game in the history of Hey, man, that's skill. That's skill. <laughs> I, I very limitedly game. I'm very, very, uh, very limited <laughs> in what so, I do. So. Fuck you, nigga. I'm about to lasso, Castro the asshole, turn him into mincemeat, for ramen casserole, feed it to a thick booty bad bitch, she'll fucking kill me if I try to feed a cabbage, pussy fried catfish, I'ma hit them boys with Mandalorian hat tricks, I ain't never had shit, till I turn to rapping, for rapper to rapper, Kappa Lambda, I'm on some fred shit, packing on Packers damage, damning or stacking damage, acting out like an asses. If you move it against me, it's like my last. You should've taken some classes. Uh-huh. Baby, what is he rapping? If you couldn't hack it, then maybe you should trash it. I'ma serve it like a delivery package. Misery's a habit in the latest fashion. She likes to pull up in the fastest. Hoop me with the black tip. We get it cracking, she releasing the dragon. Hold up, fire breathing. I am not a heathen. I am just a lion crushing everything he's saying. Heat seeking, miss a launcher with a beacon. With all due respect, fuck you for even speaking. Ho. Yo, 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 it's your man Castro X coming at you live and direct with, with the, the With All Due Respect podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, 2TDT in the motherfucking house. We are back at it today again. And today we got a little bit of a shorter day, which is great because I was so tired last night, bro. I fell straight We to did sleep. a lot of work yesterday. We did three podcasts, <laughs> yeah. four back podcasts. Back to back to back. We stacked up Got my yeah, the, boy, the boys went and did one. a fourth podcast yeah. without me because I got home and they were like, you want to come? And I'm like... No. <laughs> got my man eyes open in the building. Hey. Uh, we got a very special guest here with us, man. Does a lot of work out here uh, in regards to comedy. Um, hosts a couple mics, puts on a lot of shows, uh, and also runs his own podcast with uh, one of our favorite comedians, uh, Zach Amen. Uh, the Getting Greasy podcast. You can find that on the Sounds Tooth Network. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome... Dr. Devo in the What's building. What's up, Castro? How you guys doing, guys? Good, man. Good. Happy Fantastic. to finally have you here. Yeah, yeah. It takes a while. I'm a busy man. Busy mm-hmm. man. Always got something going on. Very busy. Just Always showed hustling. us his schedule and it was did all blacked out. Did we schedule and miss a day? Yes. No, uh, yes. Yes. Are you sure? Yes, because I remember, I remember us getting Devo put in for like, I think it might have been like... The end of June or part of July. No, I think we were always. I think we scheduled just like two months out because that's like what I had to do. Mm. Like I think we were just that far out because like, like literally like it's it's pillar to post in the summer. I I get no rest in the summer because mm. you know I'm a, I'm a teacher by day, so in the fall and spring I have See, to and do I, a little I less. That, and so so my yeah. my uh, my sum my summers are just packed like it's, it's fly by you know yeah it's like Most back to work in two weeks and I'm already dreading it so. Oh, damn, just two? Yeah, I don't know. Man, so talk to me a little bit about what you've been up to. I know you do a lot uh, in regards to comedy. 
Uh, so uh, yeah, like a couple years ago, uh, maybe ish. Well, I I didn't I didn't start doing stand up till like about a year and three or four months ago. Really. Um, and then before that though, uh, bef- the previous August before that, I that's when we started. Uh, I started doing podcasts. I had uh, at one point during the pandemic, I had like four or five different podcasts that were running at any given time, and. Um, and then now it's kind of calmed down a little bit, but I got into doing promoting live shows. Mm-hmm. Started hosting an open mic at Hunt Club every Wednesday. Uh, do three, sometimes four shows a month. Just depends uh, what I can get. I'm not a Michael Patton out there, you know. I'm not like slinging seven, eight shows a month or right. something like shit like that. Uh, but uh, just uh, you know, trying to uh, trying to give people opportunities. I've got my own little philosophy on that. It's about give people chances, and you know, no one's. No one's too big or too small to be on a, any stage, so uh, just trying to keep up, give it out there and let people have a chance to get on stage. And apparently, occasionally, I'm a little funny myself. So hilarious, yeah, hilarious. You know, so. I, uh, I definitely agree with that philosophy, man. Uh, I oftentimes find it though uh, with a lot of people, man, is when they hit a certain level, they they think they're too good to. Uh, oh yeah, grace certain and stages. And it's total bullshit. Like, I I I've, I've been juggling this with my brain recently. Of just saying, I'm about to say fuck it. Unless you're an out of town comedian, if you're not coming to open mics, I'm not putting you on my stage. Because yeah. there's not a, there's not a damn comedian in the world that's above an open mic. Like I mean, you know, like uh, there's a story I like to say. A guy guy came through during the pandemic was playing Looney Bin, young kid from Texas named Tony Casillas, and uh, he went to an open mic down in Austin, and just so happened that night, fucking Joe Rogan pops in. And he sees him on stage, thinks he's hilarious, shoot, shouts him out on his podcast. Now Castro he, would shit him. Yeah, well, that yeah. well, and now he and now he's opening for Ron White on the reg, just because he was out putting the work in, right? right like right. you know, and you have a lot of people, especially in a town like Tulsa, that think they're too good to fucking do open mics, like. No, no, come on, fucking assholes! Like, and I don't know how dirty y'all get on here, but like, no, yeah, we I, would say it like this: shut up, you fucking cunt! You're not yeah, that yeah, hard. Yeah. You're not that good. Like, right. get up on stage and practice your shit. I've heard people, not even in comedy scene, in the music scene, talk about how much they don't ever want to play Vanguard because they're like, I want to play the Canes. The Vanguard ain't big enough. And I was like, bro, first of all, it's the Vanguard, dude. Yeah. I've watched that whole place change from the marquee to the Vanguard, bro. Like, it was a great. I definitely agree uh, with both of you guys. Uh, back to the the uh, topic of the open mic in general. I mean, uh, for any art form, be that music or comedy. I mean, that's where you guys. That's where you polish. That's practice. Yeah. Uh, and then it, tra- it translates over to sports and everything. Man, you're never too good to get up and practice. Well, it is, practice. yeah, it's all day. Like Trey Young was, you know, Atlanta Hawks. Trey Young's down there playing some summer league games mm-hmm. in in Oklahoma City. It's like. He doesn't need to do that shit, like right. you know. But he's down there doing it to try out some different competition stuff. So, Definitely. like, I, I don't know. It really, it's one of those things uh, in the comedy world and stuff like that. And I, you know, I've before that I, I dealt with a lot of musicians and stuff, and kind, just kind of see it. You know, they mm-hmm. they would want to put in the work, would want to put in the hustle to like get there and shit like that. And uh, and it's really frustrating to see right. you and, and all that stuff. But. You know, I try to give people opportunities, so if they want to take them, they can. If they don't want to take them, well, fuck them. That's my opinion. I think that's beautiful as well. I mean, and just using the open mic to vet your talent, you know what I mean? To kind of yeah. check them out, see, see who can do what. Yeah, even what if, I mean? you can even tell, even if a guy gets up there and just eats shit and just, like, does horrible, you can tell if they're, like, working on stuff week in and week out. And, you know, uh, the aforementioned Michael Patton, I know I put on a couple uh, Fresh Faces of Comedy show here mm-hmm. in Tulsa, and... 
uh, it was people that probably hadn't been on a stage in front of more than like 10 or 15 people and we put them on a stage in front of 40, 50 people and just gave them three to five minutes apiece and they all brought their A game and they pretty much universally have all done really, really well. And, you know, I, I find if you respect people and don't uh, fucking put them down and just automatically think you're better than them, then mm. let them grow, then yeah. it kind of works out a little bit. So I think that that's definitely a, a beautiful approach, man, and much needed. Because um, you're established, I feel, as far as Tulsa comedy goes out here. You've been doing your thing, uh, you know what I mean? And you're definitely one of the guys to know because of what all of the that you yeah. do, you know what I mean? So Well, um, it's, it's one of those things, Castro. It's like... Uh, you know, one of the big things when uh, sort of when the pandemic hit, uh, there was kind of an older guard of comedians that sort of went away, and a new guard kind of came <coughs> out. And one of my big things and all that shit was, we got to make sure that we're not only reaching out to here to Tulsa, but like we got to be reaching out to Arkansas and Oklahoma City and places like that. You know, we're I don't want to hear the same five comedians right. do right. ten shows a month, right? You know, I want to see like people from all over the place keeps and, it fresh like and I, I if i book shows if i book out of town people i always try to book them in pairs that way they can travel together save money because there's not a lot of money in the comedy game right, right. i mean uh if you're if you're if you're making a hundred dollars to do a show you've got a damn good show at this level mm. right but uh you know it's usually gas money and some free beers <laughs> and that's more than some people do so right. you know, like but yeah yeah that's that's what i've been pretty much doing uh and all that fun shit so Talk to me about this. You mentioned you've had you you were doing like five podcasts. Were these all yours, or were you just doing audio? No, no, I was like uh, so. Uh, my very first podcast that I started was called Wrestlelore, which was a wrestling podcast okay. with Ethan Sandoval. You a wrestling fan? Yeah, wrestling fan. Uh, big, big, big uh, nerd. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I tell people I'm a fucking conundrum. I grew up in Oklahoma. I, I watch NASCAR. I watch pro wrestling. But I'm a super liberal with a fucking PhD, right? Oh, so yeah. like, I make no goddamn sense when it comes to that that, that fucking that shit. It's like if he, I, I, like I could tell you, you know, like you know NASCAR results and shit like that. People are like, how did? Why do you know this? And I'm like, right. well, I just do. I'm from Oklahoma, right? Um, but now I started that one with Ethan Sandoval, and we ended our run with that earlier this year. We kind of got to a point where we were creatively sort of done with it. We had a nice, you know, year and a half, 100 episode Is it on Sounds 2 as well? Yeah, it's on Sounds 2. So it's, it's all archived on there. Uh, during the pandemic, or right actually right before the pandemic hit, uh, one of my friends and I started, uh, we're both teachers in Oklahoma, uh, we started a podcast called Red State Blues, which was about being a liberal in a red state. Um, and post-pandemic, when I, well, I say post-pandemic, <laughs> whatever we're in right now. Um, right. Uh, Not as bad as it. Well, yeah, like it's, it's coming back, baby. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's pandemic part two, electric boogaloo. We got it coming up here. Uh, but uh, uh, but we started that, and then in, once the sort of thing started opening up again, I started getting really busy, and that sort of went by the wayside. Uh, I was also doing, uh, doing Getting Greasy. Uh, what else was I doing? I was oh I, I was doing uh, bangers and trash, which I'll probably bring back bangers and trash. That was a music podcast. I just need to reformat it because with my schedule, getting guests is like hard for me to schedule to get guests and shit like that. Uh, but bangers and trash was basically like I'd have a guest on, we'd pick a band, we'd go through their catalog. Each of us would pick three songs that we thought were bangers and three songs that we thought were like trash or we didn't like or you know right. just like whatever, and go through that. Uh, and then, I don't know, maybe this just was four. Uh, and then now uh, we're starting a spinoff on Getting Greasy. 
which is called The Liquorman, which will be a, a cocktail podcast. Okay. So we're going to try to work on that and put that out there and, and see how it goes. Kind of like a, you know, we've got Soundstooth, which is the main comedy podcast network, but sort of underneath that now, like the Getting Greasy Boys, we're kind of doing our own little shingle out to the Love side mm-hmm. where there'll be stuff that we're doing. So if, like, Zach comes out with a podcast or my other co-host, Sean, who lives up in Boston, it'll be under the Getting Greasy. It'll be under the getting greasy and kind of like we're doing kind of Yeah, like in, kind of yeah like in the doing. business, you call it a shingle, right? Okay. It's like, here's... You actually are the first one yeah, to teach me that. Yeah, it's like, here's the main thing. and It's sort of, you can think about, like, you know, like, uh, in record labels, it's like, you know, maybe... Mm-hmm. Well, no umbrella. Right? Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, you have MCA up here, but then underneath it, you know, maybe have Arista or something right. like that. It's like a mm-hmm. subsidiary or whatever. Interscope, shady Yeah, ideas. like shit like that. How'd but, you uh, get involved with Soundstooth? Man, you know, I got involved uh, the... Was this before comedy or after comedy? Uh, you know, I, I, I got involved, like, just sort of helping. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, I mean, really, my on, my entree into the comedy world was that I started dating a comedian, right? Okay. And uh, one of my horrible jokes is you start dating a comedian, you see them up there doing, you're like, well, fuck, I can do this better than them, right? And some people say I do. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, shots fired. No, shots aren't fired. That, that person's a lovely person. I have nothing against them. Uh, it's just a joke. Uh, but uh, then I started to meet a bunch of people, and then. I kind of started getting the groove of like who was with what and who was you know what what sides and whatever because just like in music or anything else there's all these like little clicks and alignments and shit like that which I fucking think are bullshit right you know like you don't have to like everybody but you know I was on a show recently and someone was like hey I didn't know I booked you with this person you didn't like I was like well I, I may not like want to be their friend or anything but it's still just a fucking job and on a professional level exactly on a professional level we're here to work yeah i'm here to work like i I teach with like pro-trump anti-vaxxing people if i can like (laughs) teach with them like i can teach with someone that i mildly don't like right right? you know (laughs) but uh but yeah no basically through helping out landry and then at a certain point when ethan and i started the podcast like um i just you know uh, landry miller was so busy all the time (laughs) that I just ended up sort of taking over the network for a while, uh, doing all the production and making sure people had their stuff. And since then, since, uh, you know, since pandemic it eased up, I'm more in the, uh, um, I'm more in the sort of, uh, I, I'm more in the live event side now. Right. Um, where I'll still you know, help out on podcasts, stuff like that. Like I will help, uh, I would occasionally help appear on, a, we have a podcast network called a, Digital Intercourse, mm-hmm. which is a uh, lifestyle, uh, you know, a sex and lifestyle podcast or whatever. That's fun. And uh, I'd help them out and do their like, some help them with some of their episodes and stuff like that here and there, and just sort of make sure I had their production shit ready and was able to do stuff. But then uh, that's kind of falling back on Landry now right. that he's a little bit more free with his time and everything. Here's something I'm really curious about uh, when it comes to you just being as involved in podcasts and live shows as you are. Uh, are you guys going to get into the live podcast market with Soundstooth? Because I see you guys do a lot of live. Uh, you guys do a lot of Soundstooth so, shows. So, like, it's it, it's funny you bring that up uh, because there is going to be uh, at least one day of that coming up. Okay. Uh, we have a uh, a big. Uh, it's in the works. We're going to hammer out details. We're working with. So I'm under Soundstooth. And then Michael Patton's got 918 Comedy. Mm -hmm. We kind of work together. I help Michael. You know, he helps us every once in a while and stuff like that. 
And so we're doing a big 918 comedy day. <coughs> there's going to be show. There's going to be stand-up shows starting at like 10 a.m. at the Farmers Market at Whittier Square, and then shows. I think like Evan Hughes is going to put on like three or four shows that day. He's got a show at the Vanguard that night okay. at like nine. Uh, then at like 11 or 11:30 that night, there's going to be a talk show incorporated at uh, Whittier Bar. But I have Whittier Bar basically all day to do with whatever I want. Right. And so we've got. Uh, a few of our flagship uh, Soundstooth podcasts are going to be doing some uh, live stream podcasts that day from there. And we're also, we also invited, uh, they're not on our network, but they're friends of the network and sort of old, you know, they're, they're been around a while, but the Queso Queens podcast are going to mm-hmm. do, do their shit that day as well. Um, problem for me is I, I love the idea of live podcasts. <laughs> I love the idea of video podcasts, things like that. Uh, this will be live to like, you know, We'll stream it to Twitch and mm-hmm. hopefully our YouTube and Facebook and shit like that. But um, my biggest problem for me is like I I can't with my job. Like right. I, I I can't like I mean I, I I I literally bought some luchador masks that I might wear if we, if we ever do it just so like I could have plausible deniability that it's not me. Okay, so then it's not the busyness. It's you know what I mean. Yeah. No. Like no, I would love to like if I had my house. So we have a Soundstooth studio that's sort of downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I have my own studio that I do all my, my studio. I have my own living room that I do my recording in. But like you know, I have a setup. I have all my mics and headphones and everything. But um, you know, I would love to have it, you know, set up for video. But like I can't be sitting there with my day job and my co-host sitting there, you know, ripping bong tokes and shout shit out like Zach that. Amon. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Zach Amon, right? Uh, which Zach's an OG, like fucking. Uh, Sounds tooth guy back on his channel four and a half. He had Zach Amon as trash. It used to be uh, his podcast back in the day. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would love to get into it. Uh, we've talked about rigging the studio up. Uh, if we ever find a way to make actual money with this, mm-hmm. like I, I kind of want to, you know, the dream would be to have an actual full time employee that would sort of be a studio manager, and mm-hmm. we'd actually have a bigger studio. Where we could have like multiple things going, have big green screen rooms and things like that, and actually do production. Just a production studio you know. all together. That'd and so, that, I mean, that's 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 the hard part, though. I mean, all that, you know, it's easy if you're a, you know, it's easy if you're like, kind of like an established L.A. or New York comedian, and you make a decent amount of money to afford that stuff. Right. But you guys, you know how much equipment is. Like, yes, qu- yeah. equipment's out the you know fucking ass for shit. And if you try to rent a place that's halfway decent, you're you know you're looking at bare minimum. You know, five, seven hundred bucks a month, and I'm dealing with people that don't have jobs, and you know, they're stand-up comedians and things like that. And I'm a, I'm a fucking teacher in Oklahoma. It's not like I'm rolling the dough, you know. Yeah. So like, like it's that, you know, that that would be the the dream goal though was to be would be have full video production because ultimately that's where the money's at. Right. Is is being on YouTube and doing more shit like that. So how long have you listened to podcasts, man? Have you always uh, been a podcast fan? Shit, I was. Man, um, I know we're lingering on the podcast. Oh no, that's get fine. Into comedy, no, that's fine. Right? No, no, it's, it's perfectly fine because it's great it, to get a. Well, no, because it's it, no, because I have been. Um, there's a there's a podcast uh, that's hosted by Jimmy Pardo called Never Not Funny, and um, uh, Mark Marin has a podcast. I can't remember what his. What the fuck? Uh, yeah, what the, he kind of gets credit for like starting the comedy podcast craze, but Jimmy Pardo's Never Not Funny way predates that like mm-hmm. he was he was distributing through like a website and stuff like that like even before like Apple Podcasts or anything was just like even a idea right. or whatever 
I want to say that I probably listened to my first podcast maybe 2006, 2007. So, and some of them I realize that, like, some of the ones I've listened to, they're going on their, like, you know, 10, 12-year anniversaries. And I'm just like, like, this is, that's crazy if you think about, like, a weekly show for right, stretching 10, that long. 11, you know, that, like, that's get talking about wrestling. We're getting to like, you know, Monday Night Raw type shit there. Where uh-huh. they're, like, yeah. they're going on like, you know, 31 years or 30 years. Yeah, of yeah. Like whatever. And to think, think about the work it takes to put out a show for 10 straight years. Editing and all kinds yeah. of Yeah. And there's, there's some even that I, I'll look at and I'll go, like today I was, I listened to, I have a, recently I've, you know, when I've been busier, I have, haven't listened to as many podcasts. I've kind of cut down on some of the ones I listen to. Um, but like the big one that got me into it really was Comedy Bang Bang. Mm. Um, that was kind of one of the big ones that got me into it. Uh, the whole, uh, it was the Earwolf Network. A lot of those people I, I really liked. Um, my new ones that I listen to are uh, the Sloppy Boys podcast, which is another cocktail podcast. Uh, the Doughboys, which is like uh, two comedians that review chain restaurants. And uh, I'll listen to... Uh, Pardon my take, which is a barstool sports sports comedy podcast. Right. So, uh, and then like a psychopath, I listen to my own podcast when it comes out on Wednesdays because I don't remember what the hell I said on it. So. See, I, I study our material. You know, what I'm yeah. saying every now and then. Uh, sometimes I get tired of it though. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I, uh, well, what's crazy is like we'll we'll do like bits on our podcast that like that. Zach, myself, and Sean will eventually like turn into like stand-up jokes because like really our podcast is a good chunk of it is us like trying shit out. We don't even know it, mm. and we'll come across a premise, and then we'll be like, "Oh fuck, that's a good premise!" Right. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, we're using it at an open mic and turning it into a bit and things you like build that. It out. Yeah. Sean's not in uh, Oklahoma though, correct? No, I Sean. Listen to it. Yeah, Sean. Uh, Sean started out here, and then uh, God bless him. Uh, the man, you know, was living above his raisin. He married a. Uh, a doctor, uh, and she's uh, doing a residency up at Harvard, mm. uh, and uh, yeah, it's big time. So he's living in Boston, now. and uh, so we've uh, you know we've dealt with the the pitfalls and the struggles of the remote stuff. I'm not by any stretch of the imagination a audio engineer, you know. And I hear like some of the bigger podcasts, and it all sounds crystal clear when they have guests from remote. And I'm like, I kind of know how you're doing it, but. Another thing, I don't have the equipment to really do it, you know, to right. run separate tracks and stuff like that. I, I just, I don't want to fuck it up is mostly what I'm scared about doing, which... Uh, Loop back audio. Yeah, it's just it's just not like, you know, and a lot of them use Zoom and they'll take the separate tracks and layer them over, you know. They'll do it where they only record what you're saying and it's really technical and it's just like, it is, it's, it's beyond me. It's not really it's like... a lot of work. Yeah, too, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not really my forte, but it sounds good enough. I mean, there's some days... You know, his internet will be kind of shitty and it won't right. sound as great. Like our last episode recorded, you know, whatever. But uh, but we managed and we've kept up our listener base for... And, I, I man, one of the craziest things, I don't know how it is for you guys, but, like, like, to have people reach out to you from weird fucking places. Like, we had a guy who reached out. His name was Tommy, who... I uh, can't pronounce his last name. He reached out. He's from, from Sweden. And, like, he would, like... Crazy. During the pandemic, we would do, like... 
Soundsooth would do live streams. We do like live stream drinking shows late at night, and he just like came on one night live from Sweden and was on the show with us. And like, we got fans in Texas. We know multiple people that live in Halifax, Nova Scotia, which is where the Trailer Park Boys is filmed. We got people that reach out from. Uh, I've had people reach out from Ireland and Iceland and people like that. It's just very weird to see who you're fucking reaching with this, like, dumbass premise of a show. So with it being Trailer Park Boys, have you guys got uh, Swearnet reached out to you at all? And see, you know, that's, see that's, the, that's the dream, you know? That's the dream. Like, uh, I, I've, I've, told, I've told the boys several times. I love that you, really quick, I love that you call them the boys as well. Yeah. Is anybody else catching that? Yeah, yeah. Trailer that park happens. boys. Well, yeah, I, that's what I call my so boys, is the boys, you know? Like, that's what I call them. Uh, yeah, like, uh, the dream, I've told, I've told Zach and Sean numerous times, the price is pretty low if they want to buy us out and buy out the whole Soundstudent network. They can have it all. Landry <laughs> has no say in this at this point. Right. Like, if they come at us, <laughs> they like, yeah. <laughs> But like, uh, but no, fuck it. I mean, it's crazy though. Like, uh, a lot of people, you know, I'm a 40 year old guy, and I know you had Roscoe on, who is another 40. He's now 41 year old, grown man. and he's at home nursing three broken ribs because he's a dumb fuck who tried to roller skate. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, shout out. Yeah, shout out to you, Roscoe. You fucking dumbass. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but what people don't realize is um, they have a whole network. Swearnet Network, uh, both they do they do a podcast, but it's all like video and their shows all on there and everything. And they have shows on there that aren't their original IPs or anything like that. But people reached out and they said, "Hey, you know, if you can help us fund this for X amount, we'll put this show out for you." And you know, people just have to reach out and try. And so we right. we try to tag them and shit. And like, there's things we need to do. It's you know, it's tough. Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, we're up to, you know, um, we're up to our run. We're in season 11 of Trailer Park Boys, and there's only 12 seasons of right. the original run. There's a bunch of other stuff we can do, and the show's not going to die when we're done. But it'll probably change formats a little bit. But, yeah, no, that that would be the dream to work with those guys. Because they started their whole network because they didn't want to be censored. Right. right. Uh, and, like, I am... Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty, uh, of, of the stuff they produced, and if, if you're out there, I don't know where you can fucking find it anymore, um, but they did a show called the Drunken on Drugs Happy Hour. So, I've done a little bit of research on Trailer Park Boys yeah. throughout my time. Uh, I was a big fan up till mm-hmm. about uh, season nine, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I used to check out their website, yeah. and things like that, and I've seen the Drunk and Unhappy uh, Yeah, journey. I've seen that. Let's see. I'll, I'll put a pull up some here. I know it was on the see. website back yeah. in the day when I was. Yeah, and it's not now, and it's no longer on Netflix either. Uh, and it was on a, uh, it was on Amazon. And I bought all but like the last two episodes. I was just buying mm-hmm. them as I was watching them for like, uh, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure uh, I know the reasons why it's been pulled uh, because they do uh, this one group uh, on there. Well, I'll just give you an idea. Uh, this is uh, one of the characters that they play on there. And right. I, yeah, I'm showing you. Yeah, they, they do like straight up like yellow face and black face, and it's just like balls to the wall. And I'm not saying I want to do that shit. Right. 
But I'm surprised that's the only shit they've had censored to this point. But as an artist, though, I mean, you, you talked about how they wanted to be uncensored. Mm-hmm. Uh, bring it back to you. I mean, how yeah. important is it for you to have your creative control just to do what it is you want to do? Because podcasting as well as comedy is art. You know? Yeah, we, we have this we have this conversation a lot, and we have this conversation. This this kind of maybe bridges the two of comedy and podcasting or whatever. There's a lot of stuff that like Zach, Sean, and I will say on our podcast that if you don't if you if you were just to pick it up and listen to it in a vacuum and just listen to that one episode you wouldn't understand the context of what's right. being said on in that episode and you might think oh shit let's cancel these guys right. and not understanding the long running joke that and where it factors in right, right. um same thing kind of carries over it, it's it's really hard like with stand-up, especially now that we have more and more people coming out and people coming out of the woodwork. You know, for a while there, the people that were coming to mics were fairly... There were some new people, but they were fairly polished and they were fairly, you know, cautious about what they were doing and saying on stage. And we've started to get some people come out that are doing some stuff that's a little bit like, man, like, I just don't... I just don't think that that's good to be doing on stage you know like so this is a reoccurring topic i keep getting with comedians because uh, i've seen some of the more edgy yeah. comedians uh out here uh so edgy. is my team as they giggle uh <laughs> what are your thoughts as far as that man when you're just starting out and you want to come off saying whatever the fuck you want uh, i think that's the problem you can't just say whatever the fuck you want talk to me about why you have to establish who you are <laughs> you have to establish your yeah who you are or what your shtick is mm-hmm. right like i know and i know the lot like a lot of comedians don't like him or whatever but i know if like anthony jeselnik comes out he's going to be dark as fuck and he might say a rape joke right right that's his brand he's established his brand that's who people know yes uh, we recently, I won't name names, but we recently had someone that, uh, that was doing some weird shit on stage and they were like, I want to be like Steve-O. I was like, well, here's the problem. Steve-O was in like several seasons of Jackass and movies right. to establish who the fuck Steve-O was. Yeah. No one knows who the fuck you are. If like, you get up there at the level a lot of these guys are, yeah. they're just going to think you're a fucking nut. Yeah. Or an asshole. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's the key is like. You, could, you still have to, like, all of those guys, if they started it, like, Steve-O's kind of a different thing. He had started as a comedian. Right. He became a comedian after he got famous. But, like, I guarantee you, like, when some of these darker comedians that you know, like, <coughs> when they first started, they weren't up there doing the super dark shit. They were learning how to tell a joke, how to work an audience. Right. Yeah. Because, like, you can't do that shit. If you... There, you have to know who your audience is. Like, Zach and I did a show in, uh, fucking, what is it, Fort Scott, Kansas. Mm. And I had my set pretty much, kind of knew what I was going to do in my head or whatever. And then I walked into the fucking place, and I see, like, these television screens on the wall. And it says, facts about the Chinese Communist Party virus. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to redneck up my set a little bit here <laughs> and change this up. And you got to do that, right? If I walk into a room and I look at the crowd and it's nothing but like, you know, 50-year-old-plus people, like, I'm 40. you got to know your audience. Yeah, yeah, I can't sit there and tell jokes about TikTok and Tinder and things like that, right? right? Unless I tailor it to be like, you know, to kind of joke that they're old and don't know right. what it is. You can do that, but you have to be able to do it. And so some of the stuff, they're, Zach, Sean, and I, even though they are 14 years younger than me, uh, or 13 years younger now, 
and soon to be 14s. My birthday's coming up. But, like, um, we are very similar in the way we think. Mm. Of A lot of the time it's, like, let the audience decide what is acceptable and not acceptable. And if you start catering to one single person in the audience because they were offended, then, well, that person shouldn't have come to the show. Definitely. Like, that's, you know, like... I definitely agree with you. Uh, it's very important for me to be able to have my voice. But we were talking about this yesterday as well uh, with Chris Carter and Martine. They're, you know, the yeah, local promoter. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they were, we were talking about uh, just being more, uh, the, the idea of being PC on stage. you got to be PC. Times are very I different. I just want to say before we get any further, you're not the only comedian that said the, like, that exact same thing. Like, you have to... People have to know who you are so you they know, like, what to expect, what to expect and to not get, like... Well, if it comes from the audience... Like, there was an incident recently here in Tulsa Comedy. I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn, but, like, uh, an audience member was upset because the comedian on stage who was uh, uh, an Arab... I can't remember if he was... I think he's Syrian or whatever, but he made... But I'm not 100% sure. He made some sort of joke about Israel and Palestine, right? Mm-hmm. He clearly was not on the side of Israel. And a girl in the audience got offended that he was making some joke about Israel. And it's like, well, sorry. <laughs> it's it's pop culture. It's in the zeitgeist. It's out there. There's, like, people make 9-11 jokes. I mean, you're not, you know, like, right. you know, people make people Oklahoma City bombing jokes, right? You know, like, it's, it's and, and you can do that and be funny, but you can't be like, ah, fuck those guys in those towers, right? That That's not a joke to do, right? Like, that's you can't do that. You have to know how to tailor it, but some people just aren't there yet, right? right. And I kind of give a leeway if I see someone, and I'll try to like occasionally tell them, not that I want to be the arbiter or the gatekeeper of what you can and can't say, but I'll just be like, man, think about the room, where you're at, you know? If you're in a room with a bunch of like, like there are a lot of comedians in town I think that are very funny, but the rooms that I host, like at the Whittier and Bar 473, are woke ass rooms right and there are some comedians that if you put them on there I know they're not going to do well and I'm going to get complaints because of the material they do whereas if I take that same comedian and I transplant them out to the show I'm doing August 8th at Middleton's Hmm. they'll probably do fucking fine and no one's going to give two shits but over here I'm dealing with a bunch of like mid 20s to mid 30s you know, bougie little white kids. Hipsters. Yeah, and over here, like, dealing with a bunch of 50, 45, whatever old, old white dudes. Right. right. Yeah. It's a completely different dynamic. Right. And see, I feel like you got to know that stuff. You got to know, A, your talent, and you got to know the audience. You got to know both, especially in the promoter yeah. side of things, man. And one of the things that cracked me up, a lot of the people that I know have spoken out about, like, oh, this guy said, like, you know, something, you know, homophobic or, you know, whatever on stage. Uh, when DMX died, they were all like, Oh, I love DMX. Like, have you listened to DMX songs, man? Like, like that's like half of it is just being homophobic. Like, he does. He has a line that says, uh, "I got no, no love, love for homo yeah. thugs." Yes, sir. And I'm just like, arf, you're, arf. yeah, you're sitting, you're sitting here telling you how much you love this, but like, and that's when something recently that I realized, and I'm sorry, I dominate things, but um, no, you're doing perfect. I, um, I like when people come and talk on uh, my show. I realized, I real, <laughs> I realized something recently. For a lot of people, it's not what's being said, it's who's saying it, mm. Mm. right? Because, uh, like, I, I, uh, I've i seen recently uh, 
a, a newer comedian in town who's very, very funny. He has a great bit, uh, but uh, he says, and I'll say the word on here, I don't endorse the word, but he says faggot in it. Right. If I got up on stage and said that word in the room that he said it Andrew. in, I would have been murdered. Right. But he gets up there and says it, and it cracks people up. Mm. And so a lot of the times it's definitely who's saying it, not what's actually being said, right? Mm. But again, you know, the thing is, um, yeah, you don't get up there and just start saying, like, super racist shit that's, like, untrue and shit like that. If you're doing, like, edgy stuff, if I see you working on it and manipulating it and trying to make it better, but know that you're at the scrutiny of... You know, every open mic's different. Every place is different, right? Um, we had a a girl come through who did a show at Whittier Bar. Her entire set was very, very funny. Except she went into, like, a mentally challenged bit. And, or I don't know what the proper word is anymore. Um, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's but, but, uh, but she did the voice. You know, right. and the bar manager was like, uh, that girl can never perform here again. And I was like, I get it, man. It's your venue, your rules, respect your venues. At the end of the day, you don't have shows if you don't have venues. Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, that's where, especially dealing with, like, bands and shit, like, bands are the, some of the worst of disrespecting their venues. <laughs> They're like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. gonna break shit, you're not coming back. Like, right. you know, like, so... But yeah, it's it's a hard line uh, because you know it's a it, the landscape of that shit changes daily, on what you can and can't make fun of. Um, but mostly, it depends on where you're at. You know, I can definitely dig it, man. I will say uh, off topic though, uh, you apologized earlier. I love that you are a podcaster. You, <laughs> it shows a hundred percent. Yeah, a lot of people I got to get on here and really host the hell out of a show with you. I just ask one question. And it's like. I'm going to talk for 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, no, that's that's what I do best, right? That's beautiful. Man, tell me a little bit about, because uh, we talked about podcasts, mm-hmm. we've got to touch on comedy a little bit, but not solely focused in on you to a degree. Tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about your first open mic, man. I always enjoy these stories. Okay, my first open mic, uh, so what had happened, uh, I'd been, my first open mic I think was in March, either late February or March of 2019, or 2020? You say you've been doing it for like a year. Yeah, it was, it was 2020. So it was a little bit earlier in February. Yeah, yeah. so it was, it was in 2020 um, because I'd only because I only got to do a few open mics before everything got shut down. Um, and, I feel like that was like a dream. Oh, I know. It feels like, like ages ago. But what had happened was I was out. I had to go. I was out doing. I had this extracurricular stuff for my day job. I get back late. I'm at the VFW open mic uh, that was on used to be on Wednesdays. Uh, Sean and Zach hosted it. At this point, Sean and Zach and I had been hosting Getting Greasy for, uh, you know, since August the previous year. Mm. You know, I I kept going to open mics. I kind of thought about doing it here and there. And I told them one day, you know, I guarantee you boys, one day I'll go up, right? Um, And then I came in one night and they both looked so sad. Like, they both looked so sad. And the problem was uh, they're... Happened to be in the VFW that night, a couple district attorneys or some shit like that, and they the they gave them hell because people were passing around edibles. Right. And I'm like, it's Oklahoma. This is what people do. But I see the boys are like, yeah, the they got they yelled at us and they got really upset and like everybody the vibes all horrible. And I was like, all right, I'll cheer you boys up. 
and then I just signed up that night. I uh, didn't really have anything pre- too much planned because uh, I, I kind of thought about doing it. Um, and then I just went up there and I, I saw the lawyers are there and the thing I was doing was involved with a bunch of lawyers. And so I just sort of took lawyers down for mm. five minutes on stage uh, in a fairly inebriated fashion. Uh, and then pretty much would go up every time since then. Um, pandemic hit. I started doing, uh, yeah, so that was that was really the first open mic experience. I mean, I was a little little drunk, but I was there to mostly cheer up my boys. Like, mm. that was, you know, and then uh, didn't know what floodgates were going to get opened after that, right? Didn't know that, you know, a year later I'd be, you know, booking shows and doing hosting open mic and shit like that, so. How are you feeling now, man, with all the success you're having? Well, uh. You're making a lot of moves. <laughs> I'm making some moves. Uh. I don't know. It's a it's a it's a change in flux. Uh, you know, I've I've recently realized that um, you you have to find you know you find your style. Uh, I'm not a joke teller. I don't tell jokes. I, I tell people I can't write a joke to save my life. Mm-hmm. Like Zach writes jokes, right? You know, um, Sean writes jokes. Uh, Ethan Sandoval writes jokes. I'm more of a storyteller type. Right. Like find the humor. You know the the fucked up shit in this sort of story which I've recently sort of realized that I'm much better at that if I just do it faster mm. and because the last few open mics I've done outside of my own open mic I've been very time constricted because I try to respect their time right my own open mic we tell comedians they get six minutes Zach and I we get you know seven or eight or nine or whatever we want right because right? we're hosting the fucking thing right, right. Yeah. Um, but uh, but when I have a time constriction I just try to jam it in as much as possible, and I've noticed that by going a lot quicker, it seems to work a lot better for me. And so I'm going to—I have to like really think about my style, like you know, like how do I change this? What do I do? Is this the way I need to do it forever? Because I would much rather just talk sort of like this, as opposed to talking like this, trying to jam it in and be like really quick, right? Which right. I can do that, and it seems to work. So it's just one of those things you got to kind of figure out, you know. See, and I think that this is really dope. Like you said, you're about a year and a half or so mm-hmm. in, correct? Uh, and there's guys who've been doing it longer, obviously. But then there's also guys who've been doing it shorter. This is one thing that Josiah Patrick brought up to me is, uh, first off, the, the one of the big first stages of getting into comedy is finding your voice, finding who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the fact that, you know, because I consider you a good comedian, I enjoy your, I enjoy your you. work. Uh the fact that you're still polishing, you're still working you always on your craft, be and and I look, I've had this is a thing like, and I don't mean this to be like a humble brag or thing like that, but like I've had people, multiple people come up to me recently, like going, "Hey man, are you trying to make this your thing?" And I was like, "Well, no, not really. I mean, I have like a stable day job with insurance and things like that. I'm fairly content to do like, I like to be on shows. Don't get me wrong, right. but I'm not gonna go be able to like." in the middle of October go on a tour somewhere, right? You know, that's not something I can do. do I you can plan on tour never? I mean, I would like to in the summer. I would love to do a tour with Zach and Sean, um, you know. The boys. Yeah, the, but boys. the boys. Or whatever, you know, even a short tour sometime over like a Christmas break or a spring break or something like that we could do. But like, um, but I've had people tell me like, you know, like, oh, you should really be doing this. I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm also 40. But it's also, and I also enjoy having, you know, a paycheck and health benefits right. and things like that, which a lot of people don't have, which is fucking sad. That's a whole other problem Shout in America. Out. But, like, um, 
I will I will say this, and this might ruffle some people's feathers if they're listening. I don't fucking care how long you've been doing it. Mm. There are people that can get up there and have been doing it for three months, and they're better than people have been doing it for 20 years. I definitely agree to that. Right? And, like, this whole, like, and I, that's like with any profession, though. Like, there are, you know, <laughs> whatever. There's a doctor that, you know, like a, a medical doctor that could be one year out of med school and be a million times better than the guy that's been doing it for 25 years. Right? Uh, and I think a lot of that is a lot of people that have been doing it for a really long time just kind of get stale and lose. They're just doing it through the motions. Right. You know? They don't have the heart for it anymore. Yeah. And sometimes they get reinvigorated and you can see it and they'll like try new shit. Um, I'll tell you one of the things that pisses me the fuck off is uh, we've had uh, people, we had a, a year or more of downtime. Mm. And I. I've seen people come out of the pandemic and they're doing the same shit they were doing two years ago. It's like, what'd you do this? It's like, what I, I do this, I do different shit every fucking week. Like, right. I have sort of a philosophy that you have to have your opener and your closer that you know are good. Hmm. And you can read, if you're doing shows, if you're doing shows like, if I was doing a show in Tulsa and then I go do a show in Fort Smith or Oklahoma City or something like that, fine, I can do the same set. But if I'm doing multiple shows in Tulsa, over a period of like three or four months, each one of those shows needs to be different. Mm. Like, I, if you're just getting up there doing the same thing over and over, it gets old. Well, you're seeing the same audiences, and that's right. what that's one of the things that makes comedy so hard because you wouldn't say the same thing about a band, right? Right. I mean, I was just gonna say that. I mean, there are people that I know that like will get tired of going to shows that are the same people doing the same songs. So with that being said, 100%, you're correct, and you're also correct, because she's partially speaking about me. Yeah. Uh, but we're really immersed <laughs> in the music scene here, and yeah. we're like, bro, I see this same fucking song every week. I'm tired of it. It's garbage. Well, and I, and I, I get that, and I think it's more of like, um, when I think about, like, if you think about it, big-name touring comedy acts, even smaller ones, People go knowing who the act is. Right. And they're theoretically going, and then they like to hear the same joke that they've heard before. Right. That's fair. Which doesn't make any fucking sense. I wouldn't want to. Like, like are you kidding me, One of the people bro, that it gets old Dane with. Cooks, see, fucking Dane Cook sucks re- anyway. Rep- okay, uh, to begin with. Repeatedly. I mean, like, end. I just like Dane Cook. But, I like. And, and you can do that. You can do that if you appreciate the art form, and I, and I think it's fine. But, like, I would still expect those people to, like, have. <laughs> he likes Dane Do you Cook. like Dane Cook, Bebo? I uh, I liked Dane Cook back in like two thousand and one or two. Yes. I feel the yes. same way I'm the same about way. Dane and I think, Cook. And like he hasn't Kevin done anything else. I like one version. Like he's only done the he's only done the, like the circle jerk one. I but mean, that, but he, the circle that's, 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 he's no different than like the same one. thing. Like he's to me he's Kevin Hart, right? I liked Kevin Hart when I first saw Kevin yeah. Hart, and then well, it's the same because now I'm bored. Comedians have a shtick, and so you either like that or you don't. And it can get tiresome, right? Mm. Like, I liked uh, Jim Gaffigan the first couple times mm. I saw him. But now I'm to the point, it's like, okay, I, I get it. I get what you're doing. I get why it's funny. Great. Like, I, I respect that it you're funny. It dies off. Like, yeah. Right. Which, is, which, is, which is, you know, it kind of it says a lot when you have bands that do the same thing over and over again and are still successful. Mm. Like, ACDC has put the same album out, like, 95 and times. And if I see them live and hear Black and Back in Black, like, I'm hype. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Back in Black. But like, then, like, other time. bands, you expect them to kind of, like, grow and change and shit like mm. that, you know? Like, uh, 
but it is very weird because I, I feel the same like in local music scene I get it right because I remember my big thing with like local music scene is they would say hey come out and see our show there's like a $10 cover and I was like yeah but I saw you like two weeks ago and you're going to play the same thing so why am I giving you $10 to watch the mm-hmm. same fucking thing again either have a bigger repertoire and play different songs or rely on a fresh audience right, right. and I mean I don't I, I don't know uh, every time, every time, every time Tech Nines come in here, and he comes in here every time he starts his tours here, and he leaves, and he mm-hmm. ends them here. Okay. Now is he All playing here his, anytime soon? Because I know he's in Oklahoma City. He's playing in December. I'm pretty okay. sure he's playing in. December. I think he's in Oak City before then. So. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a coming. <laughs> we go see uh, Joe Rogan in December. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's gonna be cool. That's gonna be cool as fuck. But. I definitely agree with you. As far as, like, the spending the money, right? I'm the type of guy, because I just recently did it. When it comes to fucking, like, I understand showing the support. I might pay your ticket, but there's a big chance I'm not going to be at your show. I might just drop that money to show some love. It's the same with you guys, right? Uh, With all due respect, it's been getting really involved. Like, Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of your sets, Mm -hmm. and I enjoy them, and I love them, but I definitely have the comedians that I'd rather go see without here. Shout out to everybody. I love everybody. But... There's, I might, I might pay for a ticket and. And again, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm saying there's a fine line, because I feel like it's where you're at, because if you're doing, like if I have a set that really did really well and I was doing it in like Sepulpa, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and then I had a show in Glenpool, or maybe that's a bad example, or I had a show let's say in like uh, Coweta, right? Mm-hmm. To me, you're not going to have any crossover audience. The same right. people in Sepulpa aren't going to be in Coweta. But if I do a show at, like, Deco Lounge in downtown Tulsa, and then I go over and do a show at, you know, uh, 473, which is just a couple miles away. Big chance you're going to run into Big chance of the same thing. Like, at that point, I think people are going to be there to see you for your vibe and how you do jokes. Mm-hmm. Not because they want to hear you do your, like, fucking, you know, Facebook ads joke again. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what? like, it's one of the jokes I do. It's like... Like, I'm not going to bust that out every time. And it's very rare for me to do the same joke at an open mic. Um, I will occasionally, I know if I know it needs to be polished. If I see that it works at an open mic, I will polish it on my own with other people, right. sort of behind closed doors, and then put it on a show and see how it goes. Let me yeah, ask you this, sense. though. But isn't that the purpose of the open mic? It's what I heard from a lot of kids, mm-hmm. to go polish your set. It is. I, I mean, it is for some people. And uh, and it, like, and I will do that if I go to a different open mic. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do something. And I, it's hard for me to get to other open mics because we usually record Getting Greasy on Monday nights. So that's when First Shop is. Reds is kind of late for the school year for me. I got to get up at 6 a.m. every day. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going out, like I feel like I have to patronize the bar, you know, so I'm going to be drinking and stuff like that. Right. Um, I will try some of that shit out, and that's where hosting is kind of nice, because you get to throw in little jokes while you're hosting, and you can kind of see how they work there. You can kind of do some polishing through hosting, because the hosting is kind of low stakes. You know, once once you've got the crowd going, um, and a good host is very important. Like, you know, you need a good hype man to get the show going. And uh, there's a comedian in town um, who I had open a lot of my shows. And they were kind of upset, and I was like, well, here's the thing. I need someone up top that's got energy, Mm. right? I can't put, like, a Jaden up top. (laughs) I can't put, you know, like, uh, you know, I can't can't put someone who is sort of low-key, 
like a Cole or someone like that right. up top because they have to be there sort of like, you know, they they play a cooler role, right? right? Like they're, the crowd gets hot, you kind of bring them down a little bit, mm. and then your next comedian can bring them up, right? Mm. That's why most comedy clubs do three comedians. And if you ever notice, it's usually like first guy is newer but kind of higher energy, second guy is maybe a little bit more low-key, and the third guy is like the headliner, right? Right. Now, granted, yeah, you might have people that have different styles, and a headliner might be someone like, you know, like a Stephen Wright style or something like that that's very low-key or something. But doing local shows, and, and one of the hardest things is to keep the audience engaged and there, you know, because you have a lot of the crowd that has come out to see someone they know or things like that, and you've got to have good hosts that can keep the energy up and make sure people stay in. And it, it's, it's really hard to do. Um, and so... As hard as it is to book a show, and then all the stress that goes into you're hoping that a crowd shows up, um, and then you're hoping, then you're like, I hope my comedians show up, right? Right. And then you're like, and that's why I love hosting with Zach because if I do have someone cancel at the last minute, I've got Zach. 20 minutes right there. I can throw myself or Zach in. We're good yeah. to go, right? Um, which is why I think hosting duos always work better than singular hosts. For shows. So you guys, as far as, because I'm new to the comedy scene, man, we've yeah. been in it for a couple months now, more than a couple, but we've been rocking with you guys for just a yeah. little bit. You and Zach uh, were the first duo I've seen. I've noticed uh, Bradley and uh, Roscoe are yeah, doing the duo yeah. thing now. Yeah. But uh, I, I definitely think yeah. that that's a cool Lauren, approach. Lauren Hilton, I think, still do a duo at the Starlight. Uh, when they, they don't do as much of them both on the stage at the same time. They still kind of do a duo system. How is that, though, working off of each other's chemistry just on stage? I mean, you have to have someone that you have chemistry with, right? You know, and, uh, you know, there will be times, uh, like, we, I've recently had a couple times where I was supposed to be gone. Well, one time I was supposed to be gone for Hunt Club Open Mic, and one time I was gone. And we had people guest host, and one time, you know, Zach's a pretty low-key guy, mm-hmm. uh, whereas I'm a little bit more amped up, and paired him with a more low-key guy, and it's like, okay, we need to kind of factor in that, like, if if I'm going to be gone, we need a more amped up person, right. and if you're going to be gone, we can have the more low-key person there to keep that sort of dynamic going, right? What I love about you, Diva, we're about to end the show, okay. uh, what I love about you is the the science that you have things broken down to. You know what I mean? And I mean it's, it's common sense and thing, but you you're tapped in. I, I know what the fuck you're doing. I think that uh, I think that's what I think that's what pisses some people off mm. about me is that uh, I am very mechanical about it. Where because uh, you know um, one stage presence is the hardest thing, right? Like, people have stage presence, right? Um, I taught, I, I tell people this. They're like, first time I ever got out, they were like, man, you were, like, really confident on stage. I was like, yeah. I taught the 8 a.m. history class at Oklahoma State University in front of 152 18-year-olds. Mm. If I can command that fucking room, then I can command any goddamn room there is, right? Facts. Right. Because I'm commanding 150 hungover little fucks and trying to keep them awake, right? And then... I can analyze things and go, well, here's what worked, here's what doesn't work, here's how you change it, manipulate it like this. If you don't like that, then I'm just telling you what it is. And, you know, oftentimes people don't want that. They want to do what they want to do. So, mm-hmm. I will say this, though, but, like, 
so you're in, the, you know, you do rap stuff, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, uh, Fifty Cent came to TU University of Tulsa back uh, in, oh shit, this had to be two thousand and this is right after Candy Shop, so that was was that 05, 04, 05, though? 04, 05 somewhere yeah. around there, yeah. Uh, we had had Jaw Rule the year before, then Fifty Cent the next year. <laughs> and Jaw Rule, Jaw Rule did did great. <clears throat> he had an actual band open and stuff, and he did an actual show. Fifty Cent show is a goddamn debacle. Uh, the show starts two hours late. He's in a crowd full of like, there's probably like you know, five thousand like, you know, eighteen to twenty five year old white kids because the University of Tulsa. Yeah, and he starts to show out not with an opening band or anything, but with an opening comedian mm-hmm. who has no two hours late, no relation to the crowd whatsoever, just falls on deaf ears, and it was just like, at that point, I was like, I'm gonna sit back and ride this shit show out because they do not know, they don't care, they're getting their paycheck, right? Mm. And then he got up on stage. He was contracted to do at least forty minutes. He did exactly forty minutes and left the stage and made his forty thousand dollars. And, yeah, that was it. Like, they flew him in, he took his check, and got out of there. Um, like, uh, it was, yeah. To like, play to you for $40,000, bro. Yeah, I know. But I, it was one of those moments, like, that's where I was like, yeah, these songs are fun and shit, but, like, that's a real fucking douche move, you know? Right. Know, that's why it goes back to know your fucking audience, right? Mm. Like, maybe find a different comedian or maybe don't use a comedian and find a local group to open for you or something. What I think too, just to highlight uh, back on some things you were saying earlier as well, man, is (coughs) kind of giving the audience what they deserve. The fact Mm -hmm. that you show up every to every little show you know what i mean uh with new material Mm -hmm. like these people are getting off their ass to come watch to come spend time with you guys the fact that you put that much into your craft so you can present it to them and put on a good show i think that that's uh you know what i mean that's really dope you feel me and i'll say that one thing about crowds and i know we're getting on comedians should go support other comedians at their shows Mm. but comedian bookers should not rely on comedians to be at those shows like, comedians are not your audience. Comedians are your audience at an open mic. Mm. And God bless you if you can get other people to come out to an open mic. Uh, some people love a shit show. Some people don't, right? Um, but you should not, like, just like same thing if you're doing music, you shouldn't be relying only on your friends to come out. Right. And it's tough because you want your friends to but come out. But that's with business in general, yeah. right, man? You mentioned earlier that people like to click up. Yeah. If you truly want to expand your business, you got to reach out and network with everyone. Yeah. you got to be in all different categories. You know what I mean? So, I mean, just to add on to yeah. what you were saying. I think uh, what's going to be crazy is if anyone listens to this, they're going to be like, this guy's a comedian. He sounds like a clinical asshole. <laughs> I love it, though. No, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Like I said, you got things. It's crazy because the things that you have broken down to a science are the things that nobody's thinking about, but they it, it's common. It's like, this be. is what you should be right. focusing on. These, these yeah, are the like, things that make things good. Uh, sh- shout out to my, 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 my girlfriend, Becky, has been on your podcast. Shout she runs uh, Tulsa Press Club. Uh, she's the uh, executive director down there. and we Possibly ha- has a podcast coming yeah, we, soon. We, uh, we had a uh, conversation last night. We are talking about, you know, they had a show that wasn't well attended, and I was like, well, maybe the format of your show is not what we need to be doing. Maybe we need to try a different approach. You're more of an upscale thing. We try I think a different that's show, so you know? cool that you guys can bounce like, that off of one another like, as well. And everybody's got to try those different things. It's like, it's like summer. Like uh, Patton's first show of the summer at the Deco Lounge, he had started at 7 o'clock. And I was like, man, it's summer. You can't start the show at 7 o'clock. It's got to start at least at 8 because the sun's still up and... 
for whatever it is, people don't like to laugh when the sun is up. I hate, I, I hate, I hate going to shows during the day. Yeah, I hate we it. just I did our day first drinking. day show the other I day. Hate day uh, see, I love day drinking. Oh, we had no. a we, we didn't we didn't have a successful show on the day, but we only had one. It was the Fur Twenty show where it was, the Fur Twenty show. Yeah, we yeah, did it at four yeah. twenty, and so basically we encouraged yeah, everybody was just like you know getting high as fuck in, in the afternoon, and it was mostly just too windy. But that's man. different. I can get yeah. high at any point in the day, but drinking during the day and then like walking. This is the thing. I like leaving the bar and like it not being as easy to see how fucked up I am. But I walk up, I walk out of the bar at like fucking six. P. And I'm like, oh no! First of all, it's still fucking hot. Depression hits instantly. Yeah, I'm just like, out. fuck. And, and, and help my fuck. I, you know, as much as I love, <laughs> as much as I love fucking, you know, people, you know, pot smokers and weed and whatever, uh, it has made my job so much fucking harder <laughs> because. One, you used to be able to rely on comedians to drink a lot when you would have an open mic and spend money, and now. Like maybe a third of them drink, and they all just like fucking smoke pot. Because anybody out there is not in Oklahoma listening. If you go to a patio at a bar in Oklahoma, it's just weed. That's all it is. <laughs> like it's just weed. And, and and then like the other thing is, as we've seen multiple times, they get too fucked up. Right. <laughs> like if you're going on like yeah. last, you're an hour and fifty minutes into the show, and then you're just blazed out of your mind. It's just like staring off into the ether, just like That's well, me. yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> it's just like okay, man. Like at least a yeah. drunk stumbling around on stage can be funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's gonna be me on my birthday. Yeah, I'm just gonna be falling over. Uh, when's this coming out, Castro? This will come out probably in about four days. Four days. We got, okay. a, got a couple in the chamber right okay. now. Uh, we worked really hard yesterday. What nice. do you got? What do you got coming up? Uh, so this is coming out in four days. Uh, let's see shows. We got. I got a little packed week coming up. Uh, August eighth, we have a show at Middleton's. At, uh, it's a Sunday night. Uh, it's Southside Bar. Uh, I can't remember who all's on that show right now. I know Roscoe's on that show. Uh, Michael Patton. I think Sandra Slade. Um, that's eight o'clock on a Sunday. Uh, August twelfth, uh, I had the Whittier Neighborhood Association reach out to me. It's a Thursday night show. Uh, I think it's seven o'clock. It's more of a clean show, so if you got kids, family, and you want to come out and check it out, um, that Saturday, August fourteenth, we have our four seven three show. It's Sounds Two Showcase. That show, uh, it's outdoor show. It'll be a little warm, but we start at eight o'clock. It's not. It's only really unbearable for the comedians. Everyone else is pretty fine, but the comedians will be sweating their asses off. So, mm. uh, and then uh, August nineteenth is uh, I think the third Thursday. We have third Thursdays at the Whittier Bar. Uh, every third Thursday, Whittier Bar. That's my one standard show that I'm guaranteed to have every month. Third Thursdays at the Whittier Bar. Uh, rough audiences sometimes, but it's a black box room. Nice little divey type bar. Got mm-hmm. a taco truck out back that sells tacos the right way. $5 for five tacos, the way it should be, the way God intended. Yes, uh, true. And, uh, and then the big one is, um, you know, um, 918 Comedy Day. Uh, pay attention to that. That's going to be... We got shows in Wagner, probably some shows in South Tulsa, shows all over Midtown Tulsa, places like that. Um, and then the Getting Greasy podcast on Soundstooth Network, and then the Liquorman coming soon. So most definitely, man. Well, I appreciate you just coming yeah. and rocking with us. Uh, I got to get you and Zach Amen in here together soon. We can do the Getting Greasy podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, have you guys uh, the on the mashup uh, of Getting yeah. Greasy and W Synergy? You know, a little, little synergy. synergy. Yeah, we've done that before. That's all. Uh, Doesn't take rocket yeah. Do you want to plug any of your social medias? Uh, you know what? I'd plug uh, this. I I just plugged the getting greasy uh, 
get, I, just getting greasy on Facebook, getting greasy on Twitter. It's getting greasy pod, I think, on Facebook, getting greasy on Twitter. Um, and then uh, we have a TikTok, getting greasy. Uh, and that's just G-E-T-T-I-N and then greasy. There's no two Gs there. You see Tia following it right now. Yeah, there, there you go. go. Our TikTok, is, mo- TikTok, our t- our TikTok is mostly me, like, drinking bourbon. Uh, but occasionally Sean will pop on and, like, do some shit. And, uh, you know, like, uh, or Zach will pop on and do some shit, like, uh, and things like that. So, you know. Uh, and you can follow Soundstooth on Facebook. Soundstooth on Facebook will be... The best way to keep up with 918 Comedy Day and all that shit. Most up, man. We appreciate you coming on to the show. I definitely enjoyed vibing with you, uh, as did my team on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I had a great time listening yeah. and learning, mm-hmm. paying attention. Dog, dog. All of it's booze. Tia, do you want to, uh, you're looking at the TikTok? Yeah. It's I not no all joke. booze. It's all booze. It is not it's all, all booze. booze. Do you okay. want to plug okay. the social media queen? Yeah, man. Um, if you want to follow us on Facebook, you can find us at With All Due Respect Podcast or on Instagram at With All Due Respect 001. Um, on the battlefronts of Twitter. I was like, what just At happened? At A underscore broadcasting. <laughs> and then we also have our Twitch, which is WADR underscore TV. And I upload all my lives to YouTube at, with all due respect, broadcasting. And for those of you local artists that want to send your music in to the WADR radio show on 91.7 and Radio Garden, feel free to send your music to with all due respect podcast 001 at gmail.com. Uh... Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the With All Due Respect podcast. Uh, and for those of you that don't like it, with all due respect, fuck, fuck you. you. And we out. We out.